This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. Joining me tonight for our first edition of the Tuesday uh, Hot Takes for the 2022 season is Job Goddard coming to you from our nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Job Always a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, Charlie, that was so clean, that intro. I know it's your first time as a host here. So clean. It's almost like it was pre-recorded and it wasn't. I, I really appreciate that skill. It's no easy task. Could be a lot worse. The Red Sox took the third game of the Yankee series. By the time people listen to this, they will have won a game in Detroit. Things are Things are looking up. I like that, Joe. You know, my birthday's not for a little bit, but I appreciate that little that dose of positivity. I need that in my life. Also joining us tonight, we have our very own Terry Cushman in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina now for just the second time that we get to say it by way of Wyndham, Maine. Mr. Cushman, how are you today? Fired up for some hot takes and... Uh... Job needs a, a disclaimer now on on the Michael Waka aspect of the rotation. So we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. I uh, am a Michael Walker believer. I I believe in Michael Walker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it you stand alone on that one, but we'll see. Maybe you're gonna make all of us liars. Let's see. Our first hot take of the evening comes from Mad Matt Beyond Thunderholm. A trade must in all caps be made for a starting pitchers uh starting pitcher job no no and and two things one a, a trade won't be made and the red sox will sell you on don't worry we're getting chris sale back At the end of the season we don't need to make a trade it's what they did last year it's what they'll do this year they also have james paxton coming back uh off of tommy john here pretty soon he should be back uh, at this rate, it looks like, by the beginning of August. I really don't think that there's a panic button to press. The rotation has not gone through itself one time. We are in game, as we record this, game four of 162. Everybody, please relax, sit back, enjoy, and feel free to criticize Heim Bloom because that's what we're going to do. But uh, have a little patience. Do we need another starting pitcher? 
Probably. I'm not sold on Michael Waka. I don't know how sustainable Rich Hill is. We're still wondering what Tanner Houck is after a rough first outing. And some of us are wondering perhaps when Garrett Whitlock might officially make uh, an actual start and and by a start, meaning not an opener as well. Like when can he go potentially four or five innings in a game? Do we need a pitcher? Absolutely. But it's just not going to happen for a lot of what Job said. It's just there. They've made their bed as far as what this rotation is. We're hoping to tread water in this tough month of April Looking like Paxton in June, I'm somewhat optimistic. Perhaps maybe in the latter part of June, we could get Chris Sale. He he did say he doesn't think he's starting from zero, but he hasn't restarted throwing yet either. So we'll see. But like I said, this is the bed we've made. If we got to make trades, it's probably in other areas of the rotation, uh, excuse me, of the uh, lineup outfield. Hopefully if Dahlbeck, uh, ramps up the production we won't have to worry about first base and seeing some of travis shaw but but unfortunately for matt i don't think uh, he's gonna get his wish i don't think so either and uh folks it's just been a couple of games we we've only seen just four four games you know this that's it so plenty of time uh joe bully you have the last word and then we'll go on to the next one i just do we need another starting pitcher or do we need a better starting pitcher that remains mm. to be seen but I, I think maybe there might be a phrasing difference in there because we're gonna get the we need pitching help a lot this season on hot take tuesday and uh i actually think matt you might want to re- rephrase that and submit it again in three weeks time we'll see would have been nice if he threw some names in there matt so if you chime in again have some specifics but matt mad matt thank you for the take uh definitely interesting um this coming from Jan underscore Boston, Whitlock, future ace. I hope so, especially with, with that contract that he signed. Um, for us, it's today. For the listeners, it's probably yesterday or the day before, uh, where he is now signed through 2026 with uh, some opt-ins there, some team options, etc. If he can become a number three starting pitcher in your rotation, not even necessarily number one, then this deal is an absolute steal. I understand we bought out arbitration, gave him a little bit more up front, but there is some serious solidarity there um, in, the, in the bullpen. With Whitlock, it's just steadier. I'd like to see him as a starter, but uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. We talked about it on last episode. Go and check out uh, that episode wherever you're listening to this one, and uh, you'll be able to hear why not. Jay Boston is actually Joey Shigori from our YouTube crew. He kind of has an anonymous uh, handle there, but I agree with, with Joey. I think, I think Garrett Whitlock's ceiling could be as high as probably a number two. And perhaps a number one on a lot of pitching staffs. Would it be a number one on a Yankees, Mets, or Dodgers pitching staff? Probably not, because they always have 
top of the line pitchers such as DeGrom, Cole, Bueller, you know, some really, really AC perennial Cy Young guys, but could Whitlock on a random year win a Cy Young? It's an intriguing thought. It, it really is. And I know we set an over or under on him on nine and a half starts in the rotation, and we all took the under. I'm starting to starting to flirt with the idea perhaps maybe he he could pitch more than that. What he did in New York was pretty tantalizing. DJ LeMahieu got to him and, and hit a home run. He had already pitched two full innings, and you figure at some point in your first three innings, most starters are going to give up a run by that point. It's just the world we live in, but I like it, Joey. I hope he is a starter, and like what Job said, that could be the greatest contract of all time if, if he's a top-of-the-rotation guy or, or even a number two or three. Absolutely agree. Uh, I love that take. I, I think that's just some sprinkling uh, foreshadowing for the future. Uh, signed a, a really nice contract. He definitely wants to play here. And what a cool story. This is a guy who uh, was a, a just a nobody. New York just didn't didn't see him as a part of the picture. Sox picked him up on the I believe that was the, one of the big Rule Five picks that we had, and uh, just an awesome, cool story for, for him. So I, I'm, I'm super excited for him. And, and I think he does have the capability to be low bar third starter, maybe even more. So we'll see. Uh, next hot take we have here uh, is from Taylor Malone. I am not at all worried about Pavetta after that first outing. He got stretched too far. Sign the girl who loves Nick Pavetta. Job thoughts on that. That's interesting. Um, I, so far, am not making any determinations, right? I, I think Nick Pavetta went a little too long in in his first start. I think Cora could have pulled him a little earlier. We talked about it on the last episode. I, I think Nick Pavetta has a very good shot to be a number two, and people need to show some patience. It's going to take a little while for him to get into the groove. And uh, he's not the number two on this staff. He's the number three. So have a little patience. The good things will come for Nick Pavetta. Well, we appreciate the take, Taylor. I'm a skeptic on Pavetta myself. I loved what I saw, but this is his third season. And his first season, granted, only a cup of coffee, a couple of starts in late 2020 but even as we're embarking on this third season we don't know who the real nick pavetta is and i hope we figure that out and i hope he's a viable three or four in the rotation sometimes he's on and he's getting guys out and and you can see how amped up he gets and it's really fun to watch and then there's other times where he's getting slapped and you're just wondering if maybe he's not a starter or, or maybe he's a fifth starter and you, you just take what you can get. But I don't know who the, the real Nick Pavetta is, but hopefully we figure it out. 
the the drop in velocity was a little concerning though, but it, it was a cold day in New York when he was pitching, so I'm also not worried. Again, folks, the season just started. So let's just enjoy. Let's just see what the team can do. Uh this is coming from uh <clears throat> this is coming from Zach Tabak. Sawamura will be an all-star candidate this season. The power is in the flow. Joe? I hope so. I'll tell you what. He came into the game yesterday, and I was like, ooh, ooh. I, I like that hair. And I had mentioned to the both of you in, in our war room chat, during game one on, I, I believe, Thursday, that if Strom turns out to be a great pitcher, the Johnny Damon flow with, with that mustache is going to be a big thing around the city of Boston. I get similar energy with Saudi Murrah's, uh, whatever you want to call it, mullet, long hair. I love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think we talked about this a, a couple of episodes ago with this crew about how Saudi Murrah could be the key. If he can throw the splitter for a strike and not just a chase pitch, and bring his walks down from about 5.4 per nine to anywhere in the 3.5 to 4.5 range, he could be an absolute weapon. Now, if he can lower that even more, if he can find a way to throw the splitter for a strike, attack hitters up in the zone with his 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and somehow not walk hitters, especially right-handed hitters, uh, where he tends to just throw the chase pitch, he could be an all-star. I think there's a decent chance. But I don't know that in the Red Sox bullpen, he's going to have enough of an established role to get that recognition that you need towards an all-star bid. Uh, you really need to be a closer or an elite setup man on a team that is bound for the playoffs and absolutely chugging along to get recognition in, in the all-star game. Zach is a good buddy of ours, hangs out with us in the war room. And I'm a little horrified he's hyping up Salamora because last year it was Phillips Valdez for him and didn't work out great for the most part. He did have an epic outing in New York. I forget who had to leave the game early. And then Salamora, uh, excuse me, Valdez came in and, and pitched like three or four innings and, and was up against Garrett Cole that outing and, and was really impressive. But uh, the, the thing about Salamora, I, I know I've been pessimistic and I'm not, I haven't fully gravitated back to the middle or perhaps the more optimistic side, but he seems to have found a way to get guys out with, with soft contact. His one outing uh, against the Yankees was in game two. He pitched a clean inning. Didn't uh, didn't walk anyone, didn't strike out anyone either. It was just a one, two, three inning, just all contact outs. If he can kind of get outs in, in that in that avenue, I, I think perhaps he, he could be a, a sixth or seventh inning guy that, that you could rely on in close games. So I hope Zach's on to something, but he might have jinxed him. I don't know. So I I love it. I think this is interesting. I'm digging the flow. 
yes, if if that pitch that he's got ends up being lethal, yeah, we could be in for a real fun season. Um, and it would be a nice way to kind of make up for how the way last year went. Uh, next hot take we've got here is this is uh, this is coming from Joseph Law. This is definitely going to upset to be G-rated here. Some people off, dot, dot, dot. Trevor Story is not the best fit for Boston. Job. It's been three games. Three games. Someone today on Twitter, and I don't know if this was a spam account or very impatient Red Sox fan or maybe someone who bet the house on Trevor Story for MVP and now can't afford their mortgage in the first week of the season, said that Trevor Story's contract reminds them of Carl Crawford. Three games. May I remind everyone that in 2009, David Ortiz hit 166 until June 3rd. Dustin Pedroia hit 158 in his rookie campaign in 07, where he won Rookie of the Year and followed it up the next year with MVP. 158, five months. Cut me a break. Trevor Story is built for Boston. He hasn't set foot in Fenway, hasn't swung at the Monster as a member of the Red Sox, and people are upset because he went one for eight, one for nine in this series against the Yankees. I'm sorry that you didn't get to see one of the best hitters in baseball ready to take guys deep. There were three or four pitches that he fouled off or even where he flew out to right field that were hanging breaking balls that in six weeks when his timing is down and he's comfortable are probably sitting on Lansdowne Street. Give me a break. Relax. And come back to me with that take in July if he's not hitting 270 or better. Well, Joseph certainly has the hottest take of the show so far with Trevor Story. I think what kind of triggers his uh, fear of Story is we have seen guys that have showed up to Boston, whether they were position players or pitchers, and it just didn't work. They didn't have the personality to take it. I don't think we really need to worry about that here. Um, Story has plenty of guys around him, and there isn't a lot of emphasis on him being the guy. I mean, Devers and Martinez should be your your top RBI guys, for instance, uh, and, and perhaps even Bogart. So... I think all he has to do is really blend in. And I think, you know, it might might take a little bit because he didn't have a spring training, like Job said. And and he's dealing with a stomach bug right now. But I'm not that worried about it. I, I think he's going to figure it out. And if anything, I mean, he played a very good second base in the couple of games that we saw. 
In fact, Xander has an error at shortstop and it, it was on a very routine play. <laughs> so I, I think Story's going to be fine. I think he's going to he's going to embrace Boston. I think he's going to love playing for Alex Cora and he's going to be the most expensive six hole hitter in the game with that $140 million contract. He might be the best six-hole hitter he in the game. Could, I hope so. I'm a big story guy. You guys heard me advocating for it all winter long. He was my guy. I didn't think it would happen, but he was my guy. Yeah, my guy struck out 12 wearing a, a Giants uniform in five innings. I didn't get my guy. Um, but, but folks, here's the thing. Like this is, I'm going to sound like a broken record. It's only been a couple games and here's the thing. Trevor story was, it was the opportunity as far as upgrading the offense after losing both, um, Kyle Schwarber, uh, to free agency and then Hunter Renfro in the trade. So, um, this was an opportunity to at least get some of that power in the lineup back. Um, but great take definitely the hottest one so far. This one could challenge it. This is from Verdugo Red Sox. The Sox would be World Series faves if they would have signed Freddie and Rizal Iglesias. So Freddie Freeman. It, that's a hot take for sure. It definitely belongs on this show. Rizal Iglesias is a stud. But this team is more than one piece away from being a World Series favorite. World Series contender? Maybe. World Series favorite? No. Now, I'm going to assume, for the sake of, of this, this is Freddie Freeman and Iglesias, as well as Trevor Story? Is that is that how you two read it? Or instead of Trevor Story? I read it as, as well as Trevor Story. It's a lot of money to be dishing out. You should be the World Series favorite if you're going to spend $350 million. It's either or. I don't think Freddie makes you that much better than Trevor Story. I think... Tristan Casas coming up is going to make a big difference to this lineup, especially once he sets in. You don't want Freddie's money. Uh, and longer term, I think not taking on Freddie Freeman's money is the right decision, especially with the, the length of that deal. I also think there's more than one piece needed. Rice Iglesias is not the, the missing piece to a Red Sox World Series run. Would I love to have him? Absolutely. You know who I'd like to have more? Charlie's guy, Carlos Rodon. I mean, oh my goodness. I would love to have Rodon on this team for the 12 weeks that he's going to be healthy. But uh, that's that. I, I really think that this team is more than a couple pieces away. I think a lot of those pieces are in the system, and we're going to get them. Well, if the take is Freddie Freeman in addition to uh, Trevor Story, then I think we're a definite second place in the division at, at the very least. And you could threaten Toronto. I, I mean, that pitching staff, I know Barrios got rocked uh, in the in the season opener. And um, they, they scuffled today and blew a big lead uh, against the Rangers. But, man, Freddie Freeman, you got to find a home for Dahlbeck, perhaps in the outfield, I guess, where he, he did get a little bit of reps, I think, in spring training. And then Rizel Iglesias, once you have that bona fide closer at the back of your bullpen, the rest of them just fall into line. 
It's just right now where, I mean, I'm probably thinking Robles is the closer. Diekman looked good today. Maybe, maybe he emerges. Not a ton of lefty closers out there, but um, I think, man, what a, what a team. Now, the Red Sox were in on on Freeman. I I don't know. I don't know if the parameters of it ever leaked out what the offer was that we were we were looking at, but but there was interest there. I don't think Hein Bloom is ever going to pay for a reliever. I I don't think you're ever going to see much more than five million per year on a reliever. The next stud reliever in the Red Sox bullpen is, is going to be homegrown. And that, and that's just that's just the way Bloom's going to operate, and I, I'm fine with that. I'd like to see money get spent in the the rotation, but but if those happened, yeah, we're we're very competitive for sure. Agreed. Uh, Iglesias, after you know failing to be a starter six yeah, six years ago something like that six seven years ago i forget uh ended up getting converted into a reliever and then just became disgusting as a closer um so after making the move from cincinnati to la even um this is year number two uh still solid still really good grant's only been just a a couple games into the season he immediately gives you uh, a bona fide closer uh elite level freddie freeman Another player that would have made this team um, exponentially better, but I like the addition of Story over Freeman because of what you've got in the pipe. And Costas is going to be coming up soon. Um, he's he's going to be the next big name, and he's no joke. So uh, great take there. Um, our next hot take we have right here is coming from David Veloz. Uh, my hot take. I hate the fact umpires are mic'd up and that catchers can't block the plate. Yes, I'm old-fashioned. Job. Okay. Catchers not blocking the plate has already cost a team once this year. I believe it was in that in that Blue Jays game in which the throw came home, the catcher was out of position, was behind the plate, waiting for the throw, and uh, the Rangers were able to get a foot in at home. Or maybe it was the Blue Jays, actually. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was able to get his foot in at home before the catcher could block the plate and, and make the catch. The, the rule is actually, just for clarification, the catcher can't block the plate until he has the baseball. Once he has the baseball, he can block the plate the same as he always could. The reason for that is to avoid guys getting taken out coming down the line when the throw is offline or the catcher's not actually set. I don't mind the rule the way it's written. I do mind that the way they're penalizing base runners and defenders on that rule is that if somebody makes a mistake, the run either scores or the runner is out. Uh, we saw in, in Detroit already this week, Miguel Cabrera got called for an illegal slide. Double play. Definitely was not going to be two outs. And in this instance, I think it's it's similar the umpires being mic'd up, on the other hand, I absolutely could not disagree more. I think the umpires being mic'd up is fantastic for baseball. It feeds the electricity of the crowd. I don't know if, if you caught the only instance that's been used so far was in Toronto, the two of you. 
but I've never heard fans in Toronto cheer like that for a a very basic play. I mean, that fan base went absolutely berserk for a safe call. I felt like I was hearing a touchdown confirmation of the Super Bowl. That's what it should feel like. Baseball should be more exciting. Whatever you can do to clarify the game. Nothing is as frustrating as a fan, in my opinion. Then they come back and say, he's safe or he's out. And I have no idea why. No clarification. Because I want to know when Laz Diaz screws up. And I want to know why. And I want to be able to chirp him for it. Or Angel Hernandez. And I want to be able to say, you suck, you missed this. And I can't do that if you don't explain the call to me. Well, I'm going to uh, disagree with David on, on one of those aspects. I, I loved the, uh, the microphone uh, with the umps as well. I, I like them being mic'd up. And the, the play that got overturned was the one you were talking about, Job, where the catcher slid in. Initially, it was an out call. The Blue Jays dug out, uh, chose to uh, basically, um, you know, have it reviewed. And it had a very NFL-type feel uh, to it. And they they sounded good. The umpires did. And and they went to the review, and it turned out. And it was actually Lourdes uh, Gurriel was the, was the player uh, slid in there. And it kind of looked out at first in real time. But when they, they slowed the replay down, I'm like, geez, this, this is going to get overturned. He was definitely in. And it was just a sloppy play by the catcher. But uh, when the, the replay was done and they came back and, and uh, overturned it, the, the crowd went nuts when they got that run. And that was a, that was a close game. The, the Blue Jays were down, I think, seven to nothing at some point and then rallied back. And then it was tied at eight to eight and they ended up winning the game 10 to eight. So that run ended up being somewhat pivotal. So I'm going to agree with Job on that, disagree with David. David's a good buddy of mine on Twitter. He's actually a Yankees fan. He's actually a political opposite of me, so we've played patty cakes as far as politics and whatnot. Still a great guy. I like him a lot. Uh, the charging home plate, I don't really have a dog in that fight. I'd much rather see the rules at second base go away. I'd like the runner to be able to take out the, the base runner with a slide and break up the potential double play. That's one of the things I miss. I'm typically uh, more of a purist, but that's where I stand with, uh, with those. I like that. They changed it up. I I'm, I'm interested. I was curious to know who was the deciding factor in getting the, the umpires mic'd up. Cause I, I do like that. I think it's different. It's a fun little thing. No other major sport has the referees or the, uh, umpires mic'd up the entire time. And I think this is going to be different because for football, you don't hear what the referees are saying until they make a, a decision and the whole stadium hears. So I think this could be interesting. It could be fun. I'm going to leave it there. Well, I can tell you, Charlie, uh, that this definitely came from the umpires union finally agreed to it, knowing that robot umpires are coming. And anything we can do to extend that a little bit, yep, they're going to do. And I agree with that because I'll tell you what, as much as I hated the calls going against the Red Sox this series, I like the human element. I really do. So give it to me. I- I'm all there for it. Perfect. 
All right, this one's coming from Tyler. Um, I still feel like the Sox will. Uh, I still feel like the Sox will figuring it out soon. So we'll be figuring it out soon, and we'll still be one of the three teams in the AL East to win 100 games. Wow! Wow! Uh, no. <laughs> Wow. Uh, will they figure it out soon? Yes. Will they win 100 games? No. In fact, will they win 90 games? No. Will they win 85 games? Maybe. Um, it's a good team. The Red Sox are a good team. They're in a great division. If they had to play different set of opponents, if we were in the uh, AL Central or the NL Central, we might win 100 games. If we got to play the Pirates and the Reds and I guess the the Brewers kinda, and the uh, the Cubs. We could probably win a hundred games, but uh, we're not going to win a hundred games in the AL East, even if they do figure it out. And I don't think that that's necessarily a uh, me being a pessimist or a a hater. I love this team. I want them to win a hundred games. I want you to tell me that I'm an idiot and I'm wrong at the end of the season, but I won't be, and um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Gonna need a fire extinguisher for that take. It's so hot. Um, so I'm with Job. Could we we be surprised with another 92 to 94 win season? Maybe, and, and I hope that happens. But I just don't think we're we're really built to win that many games. I, I don't think. I'm not an optimist that Chris Sale's going to return to 2018 form and, and be an ace. I, I just hope he's a very serviceable middle of the rotation guy at this point. I'd love to see Paxton come back and have one of his best seasons in recent memory. I, I think that could help contribute to us winning 90 something, but y- you would need sale to overachieve big time compared to recently. And you'd need Tristan Casas to come in at, at first base in another month or two and just be an absolute phenom. Those would be two things that need to happen to get us to 100, and I'm just not quite sold on it, uh, unfortunately. I'm with you, gentlemen. That is that is on fire. Someone call the cops. Someone call the fire department. Uh, that's just that's out of control. Um, everything would literally have to go right no injuries. Everyone would have to light up the Christmas tree. I, I, I just don't know if we can get all that to happen. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thought, but I don't think we're going to see three teams win a hundred. That's just wow. Um, so uh, great, great work tonight, fellas. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, and thank you guys for, and ladies as well for your takes. Uh, we appreciate that. That's going to be something that we continue to do on a weekly basis basis so uh definitely let us know what you're thinking what your thoughts are and uh as always we hope you have a great rest of your night and we'll chat with you soon take care